Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, let's talk about the uh, trade deadline, though. Earlier today, we thought the biggest news of the day was going to be Terry Rogier being traded from the Charlotte Hornets to the Miami Heat. He goes to the Heat for a lottery-protected first in 2027, which becomes fully unprotected in 2028, should it not convey. In 2027, the uh, the Heat send also uh, Kyle Lowry to Charlotte. Lowry had a big expiring. So it seems like right now the going rate for starting point guards in that ilk of Rogier, uh, Murray, I think is a better player. So they might get, they'll probably get more for him than, uh, than, than Charlotte got for Rogier. Brogdon also in that kind of grouping as well. A lot of people are starting to try to lump Tyus Jones into that grouping. I wouldn't necessarily put him there quite yet. I think he's been a very, very, very good. He's overqualified qualified, I think, to be your backup point guard. I think he's underqualified to be a starting point guard on a good team. So I wouldn't quite lump him in there. I wouldn't give up a first rounder for Tyus Jones personally. So it, it, even though I know Washington is 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 hoping to receive one for him. Um and and yeah, so what I've been told as it pertains to the Lakers after the Rozier deal, one the Lakers and I think teams around the NBA, and this isn't like this isn't uh, specifically reporting about the Lakers. I'm saying, you know, people I've talked to around the league <clears throat> who work for various teams have all said, yet yeah, this trade deadline is moving way too fast. Like the the OG and Anobi trade happened weeks ago. Pascal Siakam, he gets traded last week. Terry Rozier gets traded now. There are a couple, like two, two weeks and a half to go before the deadline. And I think teams around the league are kind of like, what? <laughs> we don't normally start making these, like, like having actual serious conversations till like next week sometime. What are we doing making like decisions now? And, and, uh, and I, you know, so the, the reaction around the league was kind of like, come on, can we slow down a little bit? But I do think that this is this might be the new norm, at least for this season, where you have so many teams. Jovan made this point again on in the lounge earlier today. Uh, you have so many buyers and you have so few sellers that those buyers are basically saying, look, we could hold out and maybe get some extra protection on that first round pick that we are sending out. 
or we could hold on to like an extra prospect here or there or something like that. Or we could find ourselves on the outside looking in and not able to make the additions to our roster that we have to make. And, uh, and I think those buyers are taking advantage of that where they can set a higher price and they can know, yes, yeah, somebody's probably going to be desperate enough to, to meet that price. Now, I think Rogier is a great fit for Miami. He's going to like, I think he's going to do really, really well there. I'm a little nervous about how small their backcourt is in, in, in Miami, but Eric Spolster is such a great coach that I think he'll find a way to kind of paint over some of those issues. Um, as it pertains to the Lakers, though, if you're the Hawks, you basically say, all right, Rogier's two years older than Murray, has more, uh, ha has some injury stuff in his background. He got a pick that could be unprotected in 2028 <clears throat> and a big expiring to offer us some financial flexibility on a team that we know isn't going anywhere and a core that we know isn't going anywhere. You're going to have to raise the, the, the cost that was the price of the brick just went up. Right. And um, now the issue with their stance being that is just based off of leaks and based off of some of the whispers I'm hearing out there, they haven't been over the moon about some of the trades that, that the offers that they've been getting outside of what the Lakers have offered with the Angela Russell. And, uh, and I think as a result of that, you've seen them leak. Hey, by the way, Milwaukee came calling. I think they were probably a little pissed that the Sixers keep on signaling that they aren't in the DeJounte Murray sweepstakes. Um, the Knicks already have a bunch of small guards, and I think their focus right now is Bruce Brown. So there just aren't very many offers right now for Murray. And I think from the Lakers' perspective, it makes some sense to keep on pushing D'Angelo Russell as the centerpiece of this trade, so long as you can find a third team willing to take him on. So in terms of like the latest on Murray, it's very much the same stuff. The Lakers are just kind of waiting. They're, they're, they're talking to teams <clears throat> and preferably teams that they have spoken to previously. Uh, so Washington fits this bill. They made a trade last year with Orlando, the Mobamba deal. Um, you know, the Clippers have also helped with a trade in the past as well. So like asking around, hey, what would it take for you to take on Brooklyn? Uh, they haven't made a trade with Brooklyn specifically, but the nice thing with Brooklyn is they've had D'Angelo Russell in their building before and enjoyed the D'Angelo Russell experience uh, where he helped them make the playoffs uh, kind of unexpectedly while he was there. So the Lakers essentially are talking to all these teams. Hey, what would it take for you to take on D'Angelo Russell's deal? He has that player option for next year. If he keeps on playing the way that he's playing, he's probably going to opt out anyway. So if you're looking for financial flexibility, you can still potentially get it uh, if you don't if you aren't if you aren't feeling comfortable uh, paying him this next offseason. And uh, for the Lakers, you know, it's just a matter of waiting until some team says yes. And because Atlanta isn't getting offers that are, that are blowing them away, the Lakers can continue to wait. Um, Tony PR asks a good question. What's plan B? Well, plan B was, <laughs> was just traded to Charlotte. <laughs> um, it, that, that is, uh, that's the reality of the situation here is that the Lakers were talking to uh, Charlotte about Rozier. 
Roger was or uh, Charlotte was asking for that 2029 first round pick, but the Lakers were reluctant to include it until they found out or until they learned or got you know proper intel that they aren't going to be able to land Murray. So as it stands right now, Plan B is currently a member of the Miami Heat. Plan B now, I guess Plan C before now becomes Plan B, and that's I think Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, they have called Portland about him. Portland is also uh, asking for a first rounder for Malcolm Brogdon. He has this year and next year remaining on his contract. And, uh, you know, he has, I think, 40. So between this year and next year, I think he's making 45 million bucks. So he has another year on it for 22 and a half million bucks next year. The Lakers in that instance, like you could technically, I guess, trade uh, Gabe Vincent and like Rui. Because I don't, Portland, from what I've been told, is not interested in D'Angelo Russell. So if you send out Vincent and Rui, maybe Jalen Huchifino, and uh, you see what kind of protections you can put on that, excuse me, that uh, 2029 pick. If Murray doesn't pan out, uh, then you could see what goes on there. But I don't think the Lakers are interested in trading 2029, that, that, that first round pick in 2029 for uh Malcolm Brogdon so that's where like if things fully fall through with Murray they would start up those conversations with Portland and I don't think that they would move that 29 first uh for Brogdon not just because like I don't I I wouldn't do that either but on top of that they would look at the opportunity cost and say well if we move 29 for Brogdon that means we only have two first rounders to potentially move this upcoming offseason and I think they would rather hold on to that third first round pick to see what kind of player they can get on draft night this year compared to, you know, a marginal and by the way, injury prone upgrade with, with Brogdon. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see there. They uh, apparently Mc, uh, Dave McMenamin and Adrian Wojnarowski have been reporting that the Lakers have been in talks with Toronto for Bruce Brown. Uh, that is an interesting fit. If they do that, I would hope that it would be Trent's deal going out the door and not Russell's because I think uh, Brown is a lot of things, but I wouldn't consider him a primary ball handler. And if you're trading D'Angelo Russell, I think you have to bring back a primary ball handler, given what we've seen from Austin this year. So uh, that is another thing that the Lakers are looking at doing. Um, they are already kind of, they, they, I, I don't think we'll get a decision on this, you know, in, in, in the near future, but they are kind of looking over at Charlotte just to see like, all right, you got Lowry, you got Hayward, like are you going to start buying these guys out. Can we get those guys in and sooner rather than later? Um, those are things that they're going to be looking at as well. Uh, I also would probably predict uh, that they find a home for Jackson Hayes, not just because they wouldn't want to pay or be on the hook for that. Um, that second year player option that for some reason they offered him, uh, but also to open up a roster spot and maybe use that roster spot on, you know, I, I think they already have uh, their eye on Gordon Hayward and they're, they're, they're looking for that, but I think they would also like to have an extra roster spot for Kyle Lowry. And if they're able to do all of this and duck far enough under the luxury tax, to bring those guys in after their trade activity and stay under that luxury tax and re and and 
and reset their repeater tax, then I think they would consider that kind of the best financial outcome here. Maybe not the best personnel outcome, but the best financial one. So we'll see uh, what what all of that looks like as it as it comes into clearer view. But I do think, and my last kind of macro takeaway here, I've already said it on the show, is with how quickly this trade deadline has been moving, the Lakers are very cognizant of, oh, shit. All right. I guess we don't have Rozier as an option anymore. And as more point guards maybe potentially leave the market, they don't want to be left on the outside looking in um, because I think they're reluctant to really rely on D'Angelo Russell. At the end of last year, there was some question about like his availability down the home stretch when the Lakers were fighting to get into the playoffs. They saw him get played off of the court in the Western Conference Finals. Yes, we have seen him reach some pretty high highs of late, but we've also seen him over the course of the season hit some pretty low lows, and I don't think anybody in the Lakers organization believes he's going to keep playing like this here moving forward. And there is some real question as far as whether he'll be able to remain playable throughout a playoff series given what we've seen from him throughout his career, not just as a Laker last year, but throughout his career. So, um, and on top of all of those things, he has a player option. And so if you miss these opportunities to bring in a Brogdon and bring in a DeJounte Murray, and then you have D'Angelo Russell potentially opt out and become an unrestricted free agent this next year, you lose that asset for nothing. So I, I do think that it, it it is still more likely than not that Russell is not a Laker after this trade deadline, and, and it's for all of the reasons that I listed. So again, <clears throat> there's a lot going on here. The Lakers have a, a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of assets and concepts that they're juggling and a lot of paths ahead of them that provide them different options. But as it stands right now, I, I do think that the amount of noise about what the Lakers are, are considering doing, and I'm told that they resumed those talks with the Hawks over the, the last few days or so, I do think the amount of noise of what the Lakers are getting ready to do is probably going to, to hit an uptick over here over the next few days. <laughs>